A shattered glass links a wedding in 18th century America attended by a signer of a great document of liberty and a wedding in Moscow of a great fighter for liberty. And this shattered glass binds Jews throughout the centuries in a story of hope and love and mourning and faith. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 149. Benjamin Rush, Sharansky, and the Broken Glass. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. We turn again to one of my favorite stories in American Jewish history, a chuppah in Philadelphia in 1787, attended by Dr. Benjamin Rush. Rush was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, one of the most famous physicians in America, and served in the rear position of being a good friend of both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson throughout his life. In a letter to his wife, Julia, Rush, a religious Christian, described in intimate detail every aspect of the Jewish wedding that he was witnessing. This included the prayer service before the ceremony, presumably the afternoon liturgy known as Mincha. Highlighting how some things in Jewish history don't change, Rush writes that while he did not understand what was being said, quote, my attention was directed to the haste with which they covered their heads with their hats as soon as the prayers began, and to the freedom with which some of them conversed with each other during the whole time of this part of their worship, end quote. But then Rush writes the following about the ceremony, and listen carefully. As soon as these prayers were ended, which took up about 20 minutes, a small piece of parchment was produced, written in Hebrew, which contained a deed of settlement, and which the groom subscribed in the presence of four witnesses. In this deed, he conveyed a part of his fortune to his bride, by which she was provided for after his death, in case she survived him. This ceremony was followed by the erection of a beautiful canopy, composed of white and red silk in the middle of the floor. It was supported by four young men by means of four poles, who put on white gloves for the purpose. As soon as this canopy was fixed, the bride, accompanied with her mother, sister, and a long train of female relations, came downstairs. Her face was covered with a veil which reached halfway down her body. She was handsome at all times, but the occasion and her dress rendered her in a peculiar manner a most lovely and affecting object. I gazed with delight upon her. Innocence, modesty, fear, respect, and devotion appeared all at once in her countenance. She was led by her two bridesmaids under the canopy. Two young men led the bridegroom after her and placed him, not by her side, but directly opposite to her. The priest now began again to chant a Hebrew prayer, in which he was followed by part of the company. After this, he gave to the groom and bride a glass full of wine, from which they each sipped about a teaspoonful. Another prayer followed this act, after which he took a ring and directed the groom to place it upon the finger of his bride, in the same manner as is practiced in the marriage service of the Church of England. This ceremony was followed by handing the wine to the father of the bride, and then a second time to the bride and groom. The groom, after sipping the wine, took the glass in his hand and threw it upon a large pewter dish, which was suddenly placed at his feet. Upon its breaking into a number of small pieces, there was a general shout of joy and a declaration that the ceremony was over. The groom now saluted his bride, and kisses and congratulations became general through the room, end quote. There is much to say, ladies and gentlemen, about the details that Rush describes, the parts that he understands to be essential to the ceremony, and others, such as the placing of white gloves for those holding the chuppah, that were just part of the fashion at the time. But for our discussion today, let us focus on a famous aspect of the traditional wedding ceremony as it is performed, which is the breaking of a glass at its conclusion. From Rush's words, we can deduce something striking, which is that some years ago, the tradition 
involved in breaking a glass was not to step on it, as is largely done today, but rather to throw it. And indeed, it was the very glass that was used for the blessings that was often smashed. In fact, there are synagogues in Europe that featured chupah stones in their courtyard, against which the glasses were thrown. This is particularly fascinating for us studying the book of Jeremiah. Rush reports that he asked those attending about the different aspects of the ritual and was told that the glass was meant as a reminder of mortality. This may well be, but today it is often said that the shattering is done in memory of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, placing Jerusalem, in the words of the psalm, above our chiefest joy. But why smash a glass to remember Jerusalem? The answer might be found in a prophecy of Jeremiah, allowing us to better understand how this prophet is so profoundly connected to every Jewish wedding performed throughout the centuries. Chapter 19 of Jeremiah involves another prophecy accompanied by symbolic action. Verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle, and take of the elders of the people and of the elders of the priests, and go forth into the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee, and say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, which whosoever heareth, his ears shall tingle, because they have forsaken me and have estranged this place, and have burned incense in it unto other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. They have built also the high places of Baal, to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spoke it, neither came it unto my mind. Jeremiah pronounces this prophecy in the valley of of Hinnom. The valley of Ben-Hinnom was infamous from ancient times because of the smoke that rose from that site created by those engaged in the pagan ritual of Moloch worship and child sacrifice. This is why Ben-Hinnom became, in Jewish parlance, Gehenom, a word referencing hell. Child sacrifice was, alas, a ritual that enticed the Israelites, and that is why Jeremiah, standing at that site, refers to the slaughter of innocents. The prophet then proclaims that what was called Gay Ben Hinnom, the Valley of Ben Hinnom, will become Gay Haharega, the Valley of Slaughter. He then adds, verse 7, And I will make void the counsel of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hands of them that seek their lives, and their carcasses I will give to be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and I will make this city desolate. Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and hiss because of all the plagues thereof. Jeremiah is also ordered by the Almighty to perform a symbolic act with a piece of pottery that he has brought with him, symbolizing the forthcoming destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 10. Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people and this city, as one breaketh a potter's vessel, that cannot be made whole again. This, perhaps, ladies and gentlemen, is why a glass is broken. The ritual is inspired by a tale from the Talmud, but it is from Jeremiah that we learn to associate shattering with Jerusalem's destruction. And yet and yet we also know that at every Jewish wedding, this remembrance of the temple's destruction is surrounded throughout the rest of the ceremony by joy. Few events are more joyous than a Jewish wedding. The shattered vessel of Jeremiah, we are told, cannot be pieced back together, but Jews proclaimed their belief that somehow Jerusalem 
would be pieced back together. And they proclaim this belief also drawing on Jeremiah. Earlier in chapter 16, Jeremiah is commanded not to marry, at least until the destruction of Jerusalem occurs. This too is meant as a symbol. Verse 9, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will cause to cease out of this place in your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride. But, ladies and gentlemen, in the liturgy said at every traditional Jewish wedding, the final blessing of the chuppah, right before the glass is broken, ends with the prayer, May it speedily be heard in the hills of Judah and the outskirts of Jerusalem, Kol sason v'kol simcha, kol chatan v'kol kala, the voice of joy and gladness of groom and bride. For hundreds and hundreds of years, in an incredible act of faith, in Jewish weddings, in the midst of persecution and dispersion, our ancestors proclaimed under the chuppah that one day weddings would be celebrated again in the hills of Judah and in the outskirts of Jerusalem. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is what is noteworthy for our lecture. This, too, was supported by and prophetically proclaimed by Jeremiah. Indeed, these exquisite Jewish hopes and dreams were first expressed in Revelation by the prophet when he was himself in prison, with his own warnings ignored by his fellow Jews and the Babylonians on the brink of overcoming Jerusalem. Jeremiah, speaking in the name of the Almighty, says about Jerusalem, chapter 33, verse 6, Behold, I will bring in health and cure, and I will cure them, and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus saith the Lord, Again there shall be heard in this place, which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever, and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. It is this prophecy that is cited in the last blessing under the chuppah. This is what Jewish weddings have been, thanks to Jeremiah. On the one hand, a way of remembering destruction, but also, and first and foremost, an expression of absolute faith in the future rebuilding of Jerusalem and ultimately of the temple itself. And today, with Jeremiah's promise of the return of wedding celebrations to Jerusalem fulfilled, The glass is also a reminder of Jewish responsibility. At the wedding of his daughter, Natan Sharansky described his own wedding in Moscow, where he and his wife, Avital, had little understanding of the Hebrew blessings recited. But, he added, both of them understood the glass. He said, quote, We had one challenge, and the challenge was very clear to us. We knew that we had to get to Jerusalem. No matter what it would take, no matter how many years, we had to get to Jerusalem and build a home there. And this is what we did. End quote. He and Avital had, in other words, made real on Jeremiah's promise that the voice of this groom and bride, separated for so long, would have their voices heard in the hills of Judah. And then Sharansky told his daughter, quote, You will make a home in Jerusalem, yes, but you must simultaneously have your feet on the ground, building a Jerusalem Shalmata, a physical Jerusalem, while always keeping an eye on the Jerusalem Shalmala, heavenly Jerusalem. 
on what it means and what it represents. It will be your mission and the mission of all your generation to defend Jerusalem, to protect her, to keep her safe. And I think that your challenge may in the end be even more difficult than ours, end quote. A shattered glass links a wedding in 18th century America attended by a signer of a great document of liberty and a wedding in Moscow of a great fighter for liberty. And this shattered glass binds Jews throughout the centuries in a story of hope and love and mourning and faith. A story of Jeremiah, of the Jews, and of Jerusalem. A story that began long ago and which stretches onward into eternity. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.